Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Well, hello again, listeners. It's Trish here from Transforming Bodies. And today, as usual, I'm really excited. But today I'm excited because we're going to be talking um, to, excuse me, to Dr. David Kosenko. I hope I said that right. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Kosenko is actually the Vice President of the Cosmetic Physicians College of Australasia. And he's also um, the practicing doctor at Impress Cosmetic Medicine in Mount Eliza in Melbourne. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about um, you know, why it's important for cosmetic doctors and physicians to actually be affiliated with a college or like a, have memberships. And he's going to give us a bit of an insight about that today. So welcome, Dr. Kosenko. Thank you, Trish. Did I say it right? David Kosenko, that's correct. Awesome, awesome. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, you're now, welcome. Now, you're the Vice President of the, the Cosmetic Physicians College of Australasia, or the CPCA as it's commonly known. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, number one, what the CPCA is and why it's so important for doctors to be certified you know, with, with um, a college like, your, like yours? So the CPCA is a professional college that was formed several years ago from the Cosmetic Physician Society of Australia. And the, the reason for the switch from a society to a college was basically to um, enhance learning opportunities for doctors practising cosmetic medicine um, and I guess to, to set up a more robust type of um, peer group where, um, you know, open discussion and education opportunities were available. Okay. And so as a consumer, what can we be assured of by knowing that someone that we're going to see is actually a member of the CPCA? I think first and foremost is the knowledge that members of the CPCA are undergoing constant um, education and evaluation. Um, I'm the vice president of the CPCA, but I've just um, completed some exams over the last couple of months um, reviewing my injecting skills, which most people would look at as being fairly basic skills. But, we, you know, things that we've seen recently occur, bad outcomes highlight the fact that they're not beauty procedures or not beauty treatments, they're medical procedures. And although uncommon, bad outcomes can occur and they can occur even in the hands of the best injectors. And um, things have changed so much over the last 10 years that, you know, things that people were doing 10 years ago often are not being done now because of the risk that's acknowledged to go along with those treatments. And I think, you know, ongoing education and um, knowing what research is going on is very important. That's one of the primary functions of the college. So as a consumer, I think if you go to someone who is a member of the CPCA, you can be assured that they um, need to undergo continuing medical education on a yearly basis um, and there is an ongoing education process within the college. 
That's so good because it's it's really like as a as a member of the public, it's really hard to navigate um, the landscape sometimes because you've got you know. Um, like I love the term cosmetic doctor, um, the cosmetic surgeon thing is a bit of a, you know, got a bit of grey area because we're not quite sure who can be a surgeon who can't. So I'm sure that's all going to be sorted out soon. But um, tell us, because I know that you guys use the term cosmetic physician. So is everyone that's a member with the CPCA a doctor? Like do you have nurses as members as well? All members of the CPCA are doctors. Um, there's been discussions as to whether we should have uh, a nursing um, faculty within the CPCA, but it's been no more than just discussion at this stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Term um, specialty to be a cosmetic doctor or a cosmetic physician, not not in the sense of. of having um, a general surgeon or a cardiothoracic surgeon or a respiratory physician, which are quite distinct specialties approved by the Australian Medical Council. Um, The CPCA would like there to be a specialty which um, for cosmetic physicians, and I guess that might be a long-term... That is a long-term goal that we have, but there's nothing... um, there's no no formal specialty recognition at this stage, so it's it's really a, a self-policed um, sort of area at the moment, which is one of the reasons why the CPCA as an organisation is passionate about getting members, because at least then we know there's that constant education and upskilling occurring. Yeah, and, and it's true because like. Number one, just because you learnt something years ago doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't change because I'm sure, like, I remember myself when I first got into the industry, you were seeing people being injected and you're like, whoa, that's really scary. And and people were getting that pillow face, even from, like, the top stars, like, um, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, God, I can't remember, remember his name, but um, uh, he was, like... You could see it had injectables, so it's got this big pillow face and all these movie stars are coming out with pillow face and now that look is kind of gone because it's almost like the education of fillers has become so different and nowadays you can change like the line of the jaw, the angle of the nose and, and you can actually refine the face with fillers as opposed to just fill your face with fillers to replace the fat. Have you noticed like there's been a difference in the last probably five or so years or is it just something that I've that stood out for me. No, there's definitely been a change in the way fillers are administered and I think if you go back to the early days, fillers were simply used to literally fill lines and perhaps the nasolabial lines, the ones from the corner of the nose down to the corner of the mouth, was the first ones to be filled. And for many years, people would fill those lines and think that they looked better um, the the evolution from there has sort of led to realization that different things happen as people age, and there's changes to the bony structure of the face. There's changes to the soft tissues all, and then to replacing volume where it was lost, and, and I guess that's where a lot of the cheek filling came from, you know, that you saw maybe five years ago and, and sometimes they were overfilled. Um, 
And I guess the emphasis now is a lot more on trying to restore normal or natural proportions of the face um, to a more useful type of proportion so that people look age-appropriate the face is in balance. There's, there's no one feature that's um, standing out beyond others because I think otherwise you risk people, um, you know, creating caricatures of what people should look like with lips that are too large or cheeks that are too filled. So there's certainly been a, a move, um, I think anyway, towards a more natural sort of look which requires a knowledge of, you know, what happens to the face as it ages, not just with skin but also the soft tissues and the underlying bony structures too. Yep, yep, I agree totally. It's, it's, um, it's almost like the industry is morphing into something different which is a more of a, a natural kind of, um, you know, look after yourself and it's more like about enhancing what's there rather than kind of, you know, overfilling and, you know, over the top. Although I, I do still see those lips and some people love them and, and for those people, yeah, great, you know, enjoy it, well, you know, because you can. But um, I've definitely noticed a, a difference. So I wanted to ask you, at the moment, you know all that stuff that's going on in the HCCC about, um, you know, what what is and what isn't the right thing and, you know, like um, rumours of people illegally importing, um, you know, your Schedule 4s, which we're not allowed to name, but the things like the Botox and the fillers and stuff like that. So there's all these things that are happening um, around Australia and the HCCC are trying to kind of put things in place to sort of, you know, change that. But that, um, I know that that's, that's something that you guys are really welcoming as well, aren't you? So along with educating um, our members um, or having ongoing education and, and constant upskilling, one of the other things that the CPCA is passionate about is safety and that, you know, that's safety for, for the patient or the person receiving the treatment, um, but also pay, uh, safety for the injector, be it a nurse or a doctor. Um, and I think there are, there are illegal injectable drugs and devices that are available. Um, most of the members of the CPCA, it's, from time to time will receive either an email or a letter inviting them to import products which are licensed to be used or even ones that are unlicensed in Australia. Um, and it's a concern that, you know, some individuals may elect to do that, but there is um, medico-legal risk there. Um, if the product's a sponsored product in Australia, it's illegal to buy it from someone other than the sponsor in Australia. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a minefield. And I guess on top of that, there's no guarantee that the product that you'll be receiving through the post is going to be uh, a legitimate product. You don't have that guarantee. You don't know what the source of it is. Um, and I guess if you're going to be using that on people who are coming to see you, I mean, you could be putting yourself at quite some risk there too. Totally. Well, I, I noticed in... Um on an Instagram feed today that um, just, well, actually it would have just happened now, but um, the, an Australian company has been fined um, about uh, over 25 grand for, by the Therapeutic Goods Association for apparently importing counterfeit products and um, medical devices for use 
in cosmetic procedures and I'm like, wow, that's really good that they've been fine. But why, uh, what bothers me is why can't the public know who it was? Do you know what I mean? Like why can't we know who it was so that if we decide, you know, that that's not ethical, we're not going to go there, you know, why can't we be told? You know, that's, that's annoying in itself, you know. I agree. Um, I don't know why we can't be told. I'd like to know as well. Um, often you hear rumours and you don't know for sure who's involved. But I think that when it comes to public safety, I think that we do have a right to know and I think there should be transparency here. Um, I'm, I don't know, I guess, enough about um, the legal um, restrictions that the TGA has to work within or the, the framework it has to work within. But I agree with you. I'd like to know. Yeah, totally. Because, like, you can bet you if I find out, I'm not going there. But, but yeah, it's just it's a shame that it's not, you know, a little bit more transparent for everyone, I think. Absolutely. Um, mm. I think that it's very important to, to have that transparency. Um, and it's good to hear that, that someone's been successfully prosecuted because I think one of the shortcomings that we've had is that there are many good rules and regulations in place, but the policing is often lacking. Um, if we use the TGA, for example, as an example, the TGA has jurisdiction over companies and, and individuals within Australia, but not overseas. So a company that's overseas selling products into Australia, that's, that's a problem because the TGA doesn't have any jurisdiction um, against or with that, that company. Yeah, totally, totally. And so I was going to ask you, so basically if someone, uh, like, if someone wants to know whether their doctor that they're seeing or the clinic that they um, are going to have their, their treatments done, if they want to know if that doctor is a member of the CPCA or, or another, you know, similar membership that you know that people are being, you know, trained regularly, they've got to get a certain amount of points. So you don't just, basically, you don't just sign anybody up, do you? You have to go through a bit of a rigorous process to actually be able to be a member. Am I right? That's correct, um, and you're right. The CPCA is not the only organisation um, or membership of doctors out there, and there's several others that are very good as well. Um, all of the organisations have entrance criteria. Um, usually, um, well, I, I can't speak for the others, but certainly from the CPCA perspective, we have regular board meetings and people that apply to become members must supply a CV and referees and, and all of those um, are scrutinised um, prior to the membership being accepted or the application for membership being accepted. So it's not just a matter of paying your money and you're automatically a member. And, and then the membership level will be determined by the committee who will basically decide what sort of experience they have and... and introduce them into the CPCA at a certain level and then offer them opportunities to upskill and, and work up towards fellowship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's like, I, it's so respectful because, um, you know, like as a consumer, we, we don't really know what's out there. We only see, you know, we might see, oh my God, there's a special on here, there's a special on there. And, and I know because I've done it myself, you rock up 
and you're just like, oh my God, just do it for me. Just make me look younger. And you don't even think of number one, the fact that something could go wrong. Number two, the fact that the person that is injecting you is actually qualified to do that injecting or, or other treatments, not just injections, but you just want to have the treatment. And um, I know for a fact, because I've had this done to me as well, but a lot of the, like when you go to some of these places, like they've fully got salespeople out there. It's all about selling as much as they, they can. And, and from what I can gather, when what I read on the CPCA website is the fact that it's not about um, someone being sold something to, it's about the person getting the best outcome can can you like add to that like or confirm that for me that's the truth isn't it i can certainly confirm that um that that the people within the cpca have the i mean we we use a medical model and so the people we see we see as patients um and all the same considerations that any doctor would give a patient in any setting are the same in this sort of situation and so upselling is certainly not part of what we do and providing the best advice for that individual is what we do. Um, and personally, you know, I often talk people out of treatments because I think it's inappropriate um, or I'll refuse a treatment if I to do a treatment if I think that it's not in the person's best interests. And, you know, it takes often longer to have a discussion then as to why you shouldn't do something um, as opposed to just going ahead and, and doing whatever is asked of you. Um, but I also have to say the people that come to my clinic, I've got a very loyal following of people who, you know, some have been elsewhere at various times and that's their choice and they're quite welcome to do that. But most of them end up coming back and, and are very happy to know that I spend a lot of time discussing things with them and explaining things to them. And if they ask me for an opinion, I'll give them an honest opinion and it's not going to be based on how many dollars I can make out of this particular consultation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, um, that's really important because, and, and that's one thing that I always suggest to people because I always get, um, you know, like even one of the girls that works with me, she's like, oh, I'm going to go, they've got a special on here, I'm going to go here and have this done. Um, but I'm a real advocate for finding someone who's really good at what they do, um, qualified to do what they do and, and going to give you the result that you want and actually just sticking with that person because the thing is if you go for the cheapest procedures and you go here and there and, you know, everywhere, number one, you don't know what crap has been put into your face, you know, you don't know what you've had where and, and I know this because I am that patient as well. So you don't know what you've had put in where and how long ago, whereas if you go to the same place all the time, it's almost like it is a bit like going to, you know, you've you got your GP and you go to your GP you know, when you're sick and they've got a whole history. So it's the same, although it's cosmetic medicine, you really need to give it the same sort of respect. I mean, don't you? Because like, you know, you want to know, I mean, I've been in a situation where I've got stuff in my face and I have no idea what it was, where it was put, how long ago, you know, because I've gone here and there and everywhere. So I think it's really important to just find one and, and you know, and stick to that that one clinic or doctor or, or even just two because one may not do something that, you know, but it, do you think that it's all about being kind of loyal to someone as well? Um, loyalty is nice, but I think the point that you made that's really important is that continuity of, of care is very important as well. And 
if you do go to the one person, they do know what treatment you had last time. Um, you know, I always say to people, you might come in to have a frown line um, treated, but I won't treat any two frown lines the same way. And so you'll you'll make minor adjustments from person to person. And if you know what you tried last time and the person feeds back to you that this worked really well or, no, that wasn't so good, then you know how to adjust things to give someone a better outcome next time. And, you know, I often find that it's a journey that we take that we start doing one sort of thing and we work in one particular area and then, we might move to another area or use a different modality to try and improve something else, which may be skin quality or texture or pigmentation or other things. And knowing what you've done in the past is a, helps enormously in being able to give people the best outcomes. Sometimes the most difficult treatments are the ones where you know people have had many treatments in the past, but you're not quite too sure, like you said, when they were or what products were used and and it can be more difficult in that situation sometimes. Mm. And sometimes even remembering who did it. Like I know that sounds really bad, <laughs> but, but um, you know, you get caught up in the moment, you might be really excited and it's like, oh, hang on, where did I have that done again? Like it happens. And, yeah, and look, people move as well. So I, I will contact colleagues and and ask them you know look this person's moved down here or I refer someone to someone on the other side of the city because they've moved and I like to be able to provide that information to the next person looking after them or or receiving that information from another um, doctor or injector as to what sort of treatments they had um, because then you know that's another way you can allow that continuity of care to occur. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's so true. So I, I did notice as well that, like, like there's a whole heap of different treatments that come under, like, the banner, if you like, of the CPCA. So does that mean that you guys train and do courses for your members in all of these treatments? Like, you know, could it be so far as skin tightening? Because I know that, like, say, for example, with skin tightening, there's lots of different modalities to do it. So do you guys just teach, you know, do you have a preferred, like, supplier for certain devices or everyone kind of chooses what they want but just come together for the, the overlying information, for want of a better word? Have I explained myself properly? No, you have. Um, the CPCA doesn't promote any particular supplier or product and the experience of the members within the CPCA is very varied and you know some members have got well over 20 and perhaps 30 years of experience doing cosmetic medicine and, and others will have um, you know five to ten and the sort of exposure people will have had to different modalities I guess depends a little bit on how long they've been around and what sort of treatments were popular at the time during the time they've been working. I guess everyone developed... I don't know that you can know everything well. I think you learn a skin tightening procedure, for example, like you suggested, that works well because you have access to that technology. Um, and other people will do it a different way. 
Um, so I guess from, from the education perspective within the CPCA, the fundamentals that we try to ensure people know are pretty basic fundamentals with regards to um, safe injecting and... Sorry, I've got something in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> safe injecting. Um, and we're looking also at uh, various energy-based devices, I guess moving away from the term of just laser because that doesn't really describe everything now, but energy-based devices in, in general and, and what's the, the core knowledge that you need to know there. And then I guess people will perhaps have a particular device or technology that they particularly like um, and obviously we encourage them to, to learn as much as they can about that. Um, did I explain myself well yeah, enough? Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> so, so just to get the, um, like the way it kind of works, so do people actually, like do you have training all around Australia or everyone comes to one central spot and is there like a, you know, is there a certain amount of, um, like do they have certain prerequisites they got to, that are comply with every year to be able to, maintain their membership like like i'll give you an example like i'm i've got my real estate license so every year i have to go and do x amount of training so that i can actually still keep my license even though i don't sell real estate any you know at, at the moment sure I, I get exactly what you mean um in I, don't, I don't know how good I was fessing up about being a real estate agent. That was really stupid of me, but anyway. <laughs> I guess that sort of thing occurs in many different ways um, with the CPCA. So one of the things that we see really as being very important is the annual conference, which is with at the Non-Surgical Symposium each year. Um, actually, I'll take a step back. So we've got a continuing medical education program and there are points, you need to attain a certain number of points per annum and the points can be allocated or you can earn points in many different ways, um, but you can't get all your points just from, say, attending a conference. So the, the annual conference is very important. It gives us exposure to a lot of um, national and international speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity is there for members to present at the conferences as well. Um, we're actively encouraging our members to do research and publish papers um, as, as another form of ongoing education. Um, as I mentioned before, there's a formal examination process as well, which uh, the current round, which has just finished at the end of November, was run in four states over four weeks for the practical examination and the written examination was done, I think, again, in four states all on the one day. Um, so it is a nationwide um, process. Uh, it's not necessarily just confined to one location. Just trying to think of the other questions you asked. The other ways in which people um, may contribute towards their ongoing education and CME, we have very active journal clubs, um, which are state-based. Um, but yes, so they're state-based journal clubs, which will get together from time to time and discuss um, 
you know, various articles that have been read as, as well as an online version of, of the Journal Club. Um, we like to have uh, exposure to other members um, as well. So one of, the, one of the options for continuing medical education is to spend a day with another member either as an observer or um, having them visit you at your practice to observe how you run a practice or you observe how they run a practice and have open discussion about various um, patients that come in for treatment. So the continuing medical education is occurs in many different ways in many different locations, some of which are central and some are, which are in your own practice and some of which are online. And you know what, one, one of the things that I really like is I know for a fact that you guys speak to each other. Like it, it, it's almost like, um, um, like I, I have a, a support group on Facebook and we've got about 7,500 members and people communicate with each other so, like about things as well. So I like the fact that um, doctors can actually speak with each other. So say, for example, if something you know, happened one day um, you know, or you didn't know what to do, they could actually, you've kind of got access to everybody on that platform where you can kind of speak to each other. So if something happens, you can work out, you know, someone say, oh, yeah, that happened to me and this is what I did. It's like, oh, this is what you should have done. And, like, there's that communication between each other, which I absolutely love. It's it's wonderful to have that sort of peer support, um, mm. even even if you don't have to use it, just the knowledge that if you have, um, well, it doesn't even have to be a, prob a problem. It could be a presentation that you haven't come across before and you're not too sure how to treat it or what, what the best way to approach yeah. something might be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to ask 100 colleagues what they think is is wonderful um, and, you know, you often will get a variety of answers um, and it's also good to see how different people approach the same sort of problem or situation. Yep, yep. No, that's so true. I, I love I love that. And um, the conference that you do once that you're involved in that once here, that non-surgical and so on, it is definitely the, the, like the learnings that that thing is. Amazing. I mean, I'm not... A professional at all, um, professional real estate agent, but I'm not a professional in the <laughs> industry at all. But um, you can see that, you know, like, you know, everyone's there because they want to learn. The learnings are amazing. And the, no matter how much you know, I'm sure you'll agree, there's always something to learn. Hey. I think um, the more you learn, the more you realise how much you don't know. Oh, and, it's so true. <laughs> Um, and that's one of the reasons why it's important, really important to keep learning always because um, I think a little knowledge can be dangerous and, and you can have a false sense of security that you know it all. But the more you talk to other people and the more you do yourself, the more you realise um, all the possibilities out there. And, and it's, it's really important to have a good understanding of that. So, Totally. Yeah. Uh, so to just we're going we're we're just in the process of adding the CPCA members to the plastic surgery hub um, website as well, just so people can actually you know know you know if they wanted to, a lot of people just want to go to a list, you know what I mean? But where can you tell us where, how people can find out whether 
um, the doctor that, that they're seeing is a member of the CPCA. So that they'll see the logo on the website? Yes, they, they, there's a CPCA logo and members um, hopefully are displaying their logo at their practices as well. Um, we've, uh, we've just relaunched our website and revamped it and there's a find, your doc, find a doctor section in there which um, you can either type in a name or you can type a location and um, it will show you the doctors um, in your location or whether a, a particular individual is a member or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's good. And so tell me, how many, how many members do you have? Um, I don't know for sure. Okay. To be <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> um, I think it's somewhere around about 150 members at the moment. Okay, so there's you're always looking for you know new members, people who want to do a you know well not a better job, but people who have you know want to be committed to providing a great patient experience. I guess for want of a better way to explain it. We're always um, looking for new members because I think um, one of the things that, other than you know the advantages we've spoken about, I think that you want to know that your colleagues out there who are working in the area have the best support as well. Um, and you know we we welcome new members, and I think. Um, our last board meeting was not that long ago and I think there was about 10 applications for this board meeting. So it's healthy at the moment um, and we're excited to see where it's going and, and there's a lot of developments happening at the college to support the members and, and promote further education. And um, So, yes, we're always happy to take new people on and, and try to grow the college to be a really peak representative body for cosmetic medicine and, and safety and um, make sure that people get the best quality care they can. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, that's so good. I mean, lots of changes happening. And, um, you know, for me, who's only been, you know, a um, spectator for a few years now I can already see the changes that are happening in the industry. And it's, and it's really, really exciting. It has, it's been happening you know, since I first started in 2012. So it's really good to see, you know, every year something new or different happens and just gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's been happening every year. I know a lot of it's been in the media this year, but stuff has been happening before that as well. So don't, don't you know, um, no need to be fooled. There's always stuff happening. Absolutely. And it's, it's a very exciting feel to be working in and it's the results that you can get with people are wonderful and they're very thankful people um, and it's very rewarding work. Um, oh. So it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. Um, and you're right, there's things developing all the time. Yeah, and it's true, it's life-changing. I know some people think it's all about vanity, but you know what? I mean, there may be, uh, you know, a lot of it is, but, you know, just for that portion of it that isn't, like it's it's life-changing stuff. Some of these people live with, you know, ailments and things they don't like about themselves for so long and sometimes it's actually just a really quick, easy fix if you knew about it. Sure. And I think vanity, it's, it's an unfortunate word, I think, because if you think when you consider you, you wake up in the morning, 
most people are going to go and have a shower and they're going to brush their hair and, and you choose the clothes you wear because you want to present yourself in a certain way, either at work or to the public or, or whatever. And, you know, cosmetic medicine really can be an extension of that, um, you know, presenting the best, um, the best you, I guess. Um, and people are living longer, working longer, and people, you know, in their 50s and 60s certainly don't feel that age. But you know, often when they look in the mirror, they, they think they look that age and they, they just want to look and feel a bit better about themselves. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. Awesome. Well, I've got to say thank you so much. That's been really, really um, interesting and enlightening having a chat with you. And it's so good to know that, um, you know, there's organisations out there that are actually, you know, looking out for us and, and wanting to make sure that, you know, all the right things happen because it can only happen from the top down. Um, I'm very pleased to hear that you think that, Trish, and I'm very thankful that you've asked to um, speak with me today and it's been an absolute pleasure to um, be able to have this discussion with you. Yeah, thank you so much and the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> so thanks, um, Dr Kosenko, and for listeners out there, if you do, you can just jump onto the CPCA website if you want. So it's cpca.net.au. Otherwise, you could drop us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au and keep a lookout because we'll be adding all the members to our website as well. So thank you so much, Dr. Kosenko. Have a great day. You too, Trish. Thank you very okay. much. Bye. Bye-bye. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.